Hey everybody, Tom Block. Thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles and thank you to Seminole Boosters for their support of this program and more than that, their support of Florida State student-athletes. If you're listening to this show and you're not a booster, what are you doing? Support the program and the student-athletes you care about. All the information you need is online at boosters.fsu.edu. Your gift makes an impact. It supports scholarships in sports medicine, strength and conditioning, nutrition, equipment. Buy tickets, show the student-athletes you care. All the info you need, boosters.fsu.edu. And all the info you need this week, well, here's Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Good day, everybody. Tom Block, Keith Jones. Welcome to Front Row Knowles. KJ, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. We get a football schedule here in a little bit. Well, we know who it's going to be on, but we just don't know the days of the week and that type of thing. And that's part of the fun. You know, uh, on the one hand, we complain that the SEC is a conference, for example, that you could pull out the calendar for the year 2084 and you would know who Florida is playing the third week of the season, right? Because they play the conference foes the same weekend every year. On the other hand, kind of adds some mystery to it. So uh, when we're this close, I kind of don't mind it. But when I see the other conference schedules come out, I kind of get annoyed. (laughs) Do do you think we'll have a a Thursday game, a Friday game? I I would imagine we'll have at least one between the two. But will we have both of them? I don't think we'll have both. I think we'll have one. There's already the Sunday night game. The Florida game won't be on a Friday because this year it's at Florida, so that's not the ACC or FSU's decision related to when that game's played. That would right. go through the SEC contract. But I do know Michael Alford is about eyeballs and viewership, and Florida State is a brand. And so if there is an opportunity there, and I don't assess things enough to add what that opportunity may be, but a night when you're the only game in town or it's strategically placed leading up to something or it behooves you, I I think he would be open to it anyway. I think the one thing that the majority of FSU fans would say is if we have to play on Thursday night, we don't want to play in Tallahassee because of all of the ramifications of having the on-site stadium, on-campus stadium, and uh, everything that has to get completely turned upside down to make that happen. Well, and I don't even know if that one's feasible without, you know, the one time they did it, they had to create a fall break. So unless you got a holiday around it or something like that, I don't right. even know if right. you can do that one. Uh, I will point out, unless my memory has failed me, Keith, which uh, it may be, you know, I'm starting to go your way on this. Uh, this is a one bye week season. So remember last year you had the two bye weeks. You started a little bit earlier and FSU got a warm up game, if you will, before LSU. You won't have that this year. You'll, you'll start a correct. little bit later into August. And Toe will meet Leather for the first time against LSU. So uh, it'll be interesting. That that uh, The schedule will be announced Monday night, I want to say 7 to 9 on the ACC network in a televised show. They'll kind of reveal it. Anyway, we'll take a break. We're going to talk baseball, actually, today to get things started with a new pitching coach for uh, Coach Link Jarrett, and that's Chuck Rostano. He joins us next right here on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles, everybody. Tom Block and Keith Jones. And let's open up that Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. And 
Say hello to a first-time guest and a name that uh, many people may not know yet, but you will soon enough. He's a part of Link Jarrett's coaching staff with the Florida State baseball team. This is FSU's pitching coach, Chuck Ristano, who joins us. And uh, baseball is uh, in the air, literally. Full practice starts here soon. Chuck, how are you? Welcome to town. Welcome to the program. Well, thank you so much. Everybody's been so welcoming and so thankful to be here and excited to get going. We'll dive in and talk a little bit about the roster and the transition, but uh, I'm just curious if you could take us back through the whirlwind a little bit of what went through your mind that maybe it wasn't when Link got the job. I don't know if you knew that you would be offered a position right away, but whenever whenever the opportunity was extended your way and you started to process, uh, hey, I've got a chance to to be a part of the Florida State baseball program, just kind of put that in context for our listeners and us. Well, I think the easy part is being able to say yes to coming and being a seminal, having been in the league for a very long time, having been uh, a student and a lover of college baseball for as long as I've played and coached and probably even before then, it doesn't really, uh, it's really a non-decision when you think, wow, I get to put on that seminal uniform and I get to come be a part of the tradition here. That, that was the easy part. I think the challenging part was just somebody who has a wife who's a profession, a professional in this industry and two young children we had been a little bit of an anomaly in the coaching world in that we were at one place for a very long time. So the move itself, while was easy to make this, the decision, you start to think of all the stuff that doesn't involve baseball, like finding schools and pediatricians and homes and sell, sales and, and purchases. And that became a little bit of the whirlwind that, thank, you know, I'm very, very thankful I have like a wife and a tremendous partner that helped guide my family through it while I was still in baseball mode. Chuck, our listeners might not be aware, but I'll just point it out to them that your, your wife played softball at Notre Dame and had been a coach for 17 years. You had been at Notre Dame for 12 years. Did you know yes, Link, Jarrett, Link Jarrett before he got to Notre Dame, i.e., You've only known him technically for three years or worked with him for three years. That is an astronomical and very, very, uh, what would even be the word, unusual for you guys to develop that strong of a relationship in that short a period of time. Talk about that relationship. It began, I think, like many, many years ago, I think Link and I, we kind of ran in the periphery of each other's circles, circles while we didn't always directly interact. But when things kind of went his way at Notre Dame, a lot of the people that he's very, very close with, almost unbeknownst to me, when he was kind of seeking opinions for how he built his staff at Notre Dame, unbeknownst to me, it said, hey, you know, whatever you do, I think you'll really get along with Chuck, and I think you guys will work well together. And when Link and I actually formally got introduced in the context of, hey, could we work together, you know, I knew what kind of baseball mind he was but I think what what comes forward more than anything is just what kind of man he is what kind of father he is just the type of person that makes you want to work for him and quite honestly makes you want to move your family you know a bunch of miles away from what was your home to follow him uh, we kind of fell in step with each other very quickly and seamlessly and uh, I'm very very thankful for that we're talking with Florida State's new pitching coach, Chuck Rostano, part of uh, Link Jarrett's coaching staff and, and came with him from Notre Dame. 
I want to ask this with with uh, complete respect for what Notre Dame is as a brand, as an athletic program, as an institution, Chuck, because it's uh, it's a bigger brand than FSU. But when you look specifically at baseball, I don't think that's necessarily the case. And so I guess my question to you is I'm curious, what what does this opportunity afford you or how might it be different in terms of how you piece together your pitching staff and your roster and, and just what Florida State baseball is in the sport of college baseball comparatively? Well, I think Florida State baseball is synonymous with college baseball royalty. Um, and it's something that you don't have to coach against Florida State to have that level of respect. But I've had the opportunity to do that. I've had the, the, <laughs> the opportunity of being in the visitor's dugout at Dick Hauser Stadium for a very long time. And I loved every minute that I spent at Notre Dame and the totality of what the brand and the product was. And I'm very proud that we left the baseball program um, in a really good place, I think. But here, I think the opportunity to take on a program that has such a history of getting to Omaha, such a history of developing not just professionals, but big leaguers, and being in a very, very talent-rich part of the country, I think it makes your opportunity to sustain success um, a bit more manageable. And it's something that we're excited to do. And we're going through, you know, that first year of getting to know everybody. And we do have some familiarity in that we've coached against this team a little bit. But even still, you know, you you have your perceptions from the other side of the diamond. And some of those guys are a little bit different than you thought they were. But one thing uniformly that I've noticed is every one of our guys, they get out there and work. They get out there and want to be great. And I think they're really enjoying you know, Link's system and his level of attention to detail and myself, Coach Wallace, and the rest of our staff, we just kind of, we kind of fall in line with it and think the structure has been really good for them. So I appreciate what this means. It's not lost on me, you know, just looking at the uniform hanging in my locker, what it means to be a part of that and how special it is. Chuck, talk about what your philosophy is relative to your pitchers. What what are you looking for, and, and how do you describe your coaching style and what you want to see from the mound? Well, I think the three non-negotiables are I want our guys to work quickly. I want there to be some tempo in the game. I think you'll see our guys on the attack without a whole lot of time or fluff between pitches. We like to press the game. Um, when we coach our guys – we want them consumed with pitch execution. We use a lot of different training modalities, whether it's data, metrics, that's like today's world of pitching, or some of the tried and tested, just old school competitive piece. Everybody before anything has to be consumed with pitch execution, something you'll hear if you watch us practice from every one of our coaches as we dial in. And then the third one or the third kind of pillar is just a general projection of confidence. Can you be the alpha? You're the only sport that the defense has the baseball. Our team is going to take on the personality of the guy with the baseball. I want our guys, regardless of their physical traits, to work fast, consume themselves with pitch execution and project confidence. Now, once we start dialing into stuff, we, you know, of course, above average fastball command with stuff, obviously velocity helps. A, sec a separating secondary pitch. doesn't have to be a breaking ball, but something guys swing and miss at that you can put in the zone and expand the zone. 
and of course a third pitch that's in play that will help you navigate the lineup if you have to do it more than a couple of times. Um, something we were pretty successful with at Notre Dame that I think we'll continue to use is variety. Um, lefties, righties, angles, finding those visual anomalies. Guys who maybe they throw from a low arm slot and get depth on a pitch or a high arm slot guy that gets a lot of arm side run. Um, I think mixing and matching and having an effective bullpen and varying options makes it really difficult on opposition. It's something I think Link and I manage really well at Notre Dame. And in the future, I think we'll look to build the staff around stuff and horsepower, but also variety. And Tommy, by the way, all that sounds real good, but proverbially proof is in the pudding. Uh, the 22 staff at Notre Dame led the ACC in ERA. It works. Yeah, and we were fortunate. And, you know, a really big part of that, yes, we pitched it well. We had some great experience. But we put a very, very good defense on the field. And that helped uh, tremendously. And the idea of elite fundamental baseball, not just strike throwing, but pitch execution, but also the domination of the routine plays, making sure your defense is in the right positioning for the pitch called. It's kind of like a symphony that we all try and play. And we were fortunate enough to play the right tune for more of last year than we did. Well said. Talking with Chuck Ristano, who's Florida State's new pitching coach. And as Keith just pointed out, at Notre Dame a year ago, led the conference in ERA, also in hits allowed per nine innings. Chuck, I know you've had fall ball, but as you get set to to – roll out the balls for the start of, of spring practice and the start of the season. How many questions are unanswered? I guess I'm wondering how confident do you feel about what you have or, or, or how much do you know what you have uh, and how important are these, however many practices it is to opening day, 20 practices and probably the first six weeks of the season yeah. after that. I mean, how long is it going to take you to feel comfortable with what you have and know what you have? Well, I think the fall told us a lot of things about some ability. I think right now we are trying to figure out the right mix. You know, who are our, our best nine to 11 pitchers who will contribute the bulk of appearances and innings and what is the best way to use them? I think we've got some pretty high-end horsepower uh, in, you know, Montgomery, Crowell, Bowmeister that will likely find themselves pitching in different roles. And then you've got a few – Guys who are, I think, about to turn the corner in their career, returning guys that still trying to figure out what their best usage is, you know, whether it's matchup, whether it's middle of a game, beginning of a game. Um, and then there's a couple of freshman arms that are exciting. But to answer your question, uh, I think we've got a decent idea of who will be our best contributors, but the mixture as to how they are best used is going to have to be answered in these next couple of weeks. It, you know, you lose effectively the entire weekend rotation, plus probably two of the three most trusted relievers in Scalero and Hare. Figuring out who fits where, um, I think, is really critical. I think something that Link and I really committed to at Notre Dame that worked for us was the concept of trying to get better and more dynamic as the game went on. It didn't mean we just used openers four games where we didn't have a clear-cut starting pitcher, but there were times when you'd see a pretty well-pitched game from the Notre Dame 
uh, box score and you'd see four to five pitchers. You know, that was both out of necessity, but also because the matchups favored it. I mean, even I think last year when we played down in Tallahassee, we got one great start from Bertrand. That was the game him and Messick went like toe to toe. Effectively, it was like a 0-0 game for like 11 innings, I think. That was the traditional start. And then if you look at games two and three a little bit, you know, probably not as clean pitched, but pitched well, we probably used effectively six to seven pitchers in each game. Um, So I think that we have a decent idea of who will be our our strongest contributors, but piecing them into the right role, I think, is going to be what these next few weeks are going to be about. Well, Coach, too, it sounds like, and you've, you've got a, a, a full roster with, you know, kids that have gotten the extra year of COVID eligibility and, and managing all the, the pieces and parts. But it sounds like, at least early on, uh, anybody will have an opportunity to contribute if they can keep the ball over the plate. That's right. Uh, you have – there's a lot of youth. There's a lot of inexperience. Um, and there's a lot to figure out. But ultimately – our ability to just play fundamental baseball. I want to be among the nation's leaders in strikeouts per nine. I want to be in the na- among the nation's leaders in fewest hits per nine. But playing clean, fundamental baseball is going to require that our pitchers allow us to do that. And I don't think we'll find ourselves giving lots of opportunities to the guy who's going to walk, you know, <laughs> a guy in innings. I think at the end of the day, if we're going to go down – we're going to go down with a guy who's willing to dominate the strike zone. Um, but I, I think we do have a pretty good mix of guys who can, you know, despite some, again, inexperience, guys who can mix and match pitches and utilize pitching backwards, utilizing pitching to the edges of the zone. You know, we just need to get their feet wet and get them going and hopefully hit the ground runner. Chuck, as you get settled in, pretty much everything is new to you, right? Even the way you drive home from work, the facility, the uniform, the way the stadium's configured, all that stuff's new. But the, the coaching staff, you guys have worked together. So how key is that in terms of making this transition? It's, it's, it's eased our minds quite a bit. We're, you know, the life of a baseball coach will <laughs> never quite allow you the full night of sleep. But going to work every day and knowing what Link is looking for for us, knowing how Rich and Rich and I function with the recruiting and just the day-to-day management. Same thing with Brad, who's going to coach first. It's – and, yeah, like socially, quite honestly. Our, our wives are all friends. We, we feel like we're all really in this together. Um, I think to take on such a big responsibility with going in com- – with complete non-familiarity would have been really – challenging so ours i mean our staff staying together i am so thankful that link's faith in myself and rich is what it is but i also think courtney caswell nikki bedgood of course the big shooter <laughs> without them <laughs> here our transition is really much difficult a much much more difficult Big you know, shooters. I mean, quite honestly, thank God for them. There's probably not a day that goes by, even six months in, where I'm not asking Courtney a new way home to Killarn or asking Big Shooter about what we can do about the bullpen. And they've been so patient with us, and it, they, they're like uh, angels from God, <laughs> quite honestly. So we're so happy to have them as well. 
Well, don't tell Chip I put it this way because he's much more than uh, what this will sound like, but he's the duct tape or the glue for any question you can't answer or any problem that needs to be solved. Go, go to the colonel and he'll help you out. Hey, Chuck, wel welcome to FSU. I know you've been here since the summer, but uh, we're looking forward to the season. We appreciate you spending a few minutes of your of your day with us here on Front Row Knowles. Thank you guys so much. Everybody has been so welcoming. We're so proud to be part of the community and the Seminole family are going to work every single day to make sure you, we put a product out there that everybody's proud of. Chuck Cristano, FSU pitching coach. Take a break and come back with more Front Row Knowles right after this. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. back on front row Knowles. appreciate the the conversation and the time from chuck Cristano, the pitching coach and also always look forward to our conversations with bob franti our osceola insider so we will keep that earl bacon agency hotline open and bob you caught some of that conversation and uh, i'm not sure how much you've dived into baseball at this point given that uh, they're not into full practice yet but it's coming and there is uh, a lot of excitement about the new era and what Link Jarrett brings. Uh, it, it's been interesting just to, to kind of reconnect with Link and, and, and look forward to what's coming up. I think what's neat is it's not just Link, it's the continuity of the staff. And that was something that Coach Rostano had mentioned. I mean, it's, it's that kind of familiarity that really helps head coaches succeed. I think we've seen that in just about every sport. You know, when you can bring your guys, uh, your, your assistant coaches, your support staff, and really build that that group of people that know what each day is supposed to look like, know what each week leading up to uh, practices and opening day and all that should look like. That's what what's going to make you very successful. Um, yeah, I, I've got some questions about this team. I, I I can't fill out a lineup card yet outside of, uh, I think I know what the infield might look like. I, I think we know there are some real candidates. Uh, I think D1 baseball has mentioned they really like this freshman class that's coming in. So there's, there's some young kids who will look for early playing time. It, it feels like what's going to be a good team, but you know, you also see some of these preseason projections. They're not in the top 25. You, you take that for what it's worth, which is, is very little other than preseason talk. But um, I think we're all kind of excited and, and very curious to see what this team will show us here uh, with the first, I think, full practice coming up on Friday. Chuck talked about the, the transfer portal and, and getting used to that on the baseball side and referencing that he, he, at least he thought the football side had that down pat. The, the portal's closed. The, the kids that are in it uh, can still sign, but no one else can enter into it until uh, later on. Um, what, what, what now that the dust has settled a little bit, I know we've talked about it quite a bit, but um, what do you think about uh, Florida State's uh, um, other than out of high school kids that are going to be uh, going through uh, Call of Duty and then into spring ball. It's been fun to listen to them speak. There's a level of maturity with all these guys that I, I think you can definitely tell they're not the wide-eyed uh, 18, 19-year-old freshmen. They've been through college before, and they kind of know from a, to some extent, from a strength and conditioning standpoint, what is to be expected. Now, when guys are asked about tour of duty, they say, yeah, that's that's legit. That's a little bit more strenuous, maybe than some of these guys were were candidly um, 
expecting. And, and it's maybe not as strenuous as, as back in the day here at Florida State either, but it, it is good preparation. It is building chemistry and camaraderie. You want to perform for the guy next to you, the guy in your position group. So I've enjoyed, I think every transfer has a really cool kind of story. I mean, we, we talked to Kyle Morlock today. I'm not sure there are too many guys who have made this jump from division two to power five. You know, as, as one example, we've seen a lot of, of guys try to make a, an FCS to power five jump, including Jared Verse, including a lot of players everywhere. But D2 to power five is something pretty, uh, pretty interesting just to kind of see how does he fit in? How good of a blocker is he? How, how good of a, a route runner and pass catcher is he when, you know, it, it's a different speed of the game. So I think we see the impact that all these transfers can have, and that's going to be pretty special to see them out on the practice field in March. But but you really don't know until you kind of see them more in, in some scrimmage-type situations and, and out of the, the shirts and shorts. Bob, you referenced getting to know or interview some of these players. Uh, several have been available to the media here over the last week or so. They all – and I'm not – well, the freshmen too, but more the, the transfers, uh, they all sort of sing from the same hymnal in terms of the praises of the recruiting pitch and why they came to FSU. And uh, I mean, it would be that way at a lot of places, players that are going to play for a coach are going to align with the, what the coach pitched them. But uh, it almost seems too good to be true right now. My, uh, I mean, just everyone, one after another, it's as if they rehearsed their talk about the culture and about what coach Norvell told them. And I know that it's not fabricated that way. I guess I continue to be a little bit amazed by it though. Yeah. I think the word, you know, Tuesday was, was genuine. I think we heard that, you know, pretty consistently from a lot of guys. I, I think to some extent, if you're a little bit of an older guy in the transfer portal, you have a, um, you have an ability to kind of wade through the the coach speak and, and, and get through the, a little, a little bit of the, don't tell me what, what, what I want to hear as a recruit. Tell me what I need to hear. Tell me what's the plan. How, how can you help me develop? You know, these, these guys have chips on their shoulder. They, they want to be developed. I, I think even a, a Deuce Cypress from Virginia, who was statistically the best, you know, corner in the conference by pro football focus. I, I think maybe with his one exception, everybody went in the portal with a little bit of a chip on the shoulder, something to prove. They're jumping from, uh, again, like Kyle Morlock from D2, from the group of five level, they're jumping up to try and prove something. They're looking for more playing time. They're, they're looking to be developed by an Alex Atkins, an Odell Hagens, a John Papuchas. They're all looking for something special as far as um, where to finish their career, where to build a brotherhood, where to win some games, where to get to the NFL. I, I think these are all kind of common themes and that's 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 really good. It's it's it feels less, I think, transactional. We we almost felt like this transfer portal was going to be um, more of a transactional thing. You're going to show up, you're going to be there 10, 12 months, and then you're going to move on with the rest of your life. It it does feel like they're building something, uh, not just for themselves, but but for the the younger guys in their position room, and then for those assistant coaches as they can kind of groom the next group of of high school kids who are going to come behind them. Bob, not to get way down in the weeds, and Tommy, I apologize. I don't want to get off on, on tangents, but when it comes to high school recruiting, 
We've seen in the last couple of weeks an example of what we've all feared relative to the NIL with the quarterback signing with Florida being promised what was alleged $13 million you know, over a four-year period or however long he's there. It falls through and he requested his release and, and the Gators gave it to him. Probably the most high-profile to date example of NIL affected recruiting. Is that a one-off? Is that an aberration? Or are we scared to death Maybe not because of the dollar amount, but are we scared to death that that type of thing is going to become more common? I think the $13 million figure is, is so wildly high that, you know, was that real? Was that a contract? Was that over four years? What, what was promised? Why, why do you even, how do you even come up with $13 million? I'm not sure too many third or fourth year guys, maybe Heisman type contenders, maybe that type of guy is barely worth, you know, say a 13 million over, over four years. I'm not sure why an unproven high school four-star quarterback from across the country has that much value really to any program. On the other hand, is NIL here to stay? Are there recruiting inducements out there for high school prospects? Of course there are, but I, I don't, I don't want to get into what the Gator Collective offered, didn't offer. Was it fiscally, you know, responsible at the start or in the end? What, how did we get here? I think eventually some Gator writers will do a good timeline and TikTok of how this thing kind of fell apart. But I, I do think in the end, you know, prospects want to go to college to be developed for the NFL. They, they want to win games and compete for titles. But, but yes, obviously, they are going to want some significant amounts of, of NIL money. That's, that's the reality of where we are, I think. <laughs> Good times, huh, Bob? Yeah, yeah. It's, um, and, and honestly, it, it's, it's interesting times for fans, too, because as a fan, as a booster, you're asking yourself, how do I donate? Who do I donate to? You know, how much do I give to the Seminole Boosters? How much do I give to a, a rising spear or a battle's end? I mean, everybody as a fan is starting to ask these questions and, and it's, they're good questions. They're, there's no right or wrong, but it's, it's questions that I think everybody's asking of how do you support your favorite team? Just for the record, there would be some that would say there are some wrongs. And maybe I'll start the fan club, but we won't get into that. <laughs> Well, let's move back on field, Bob. And even though the season doesn't kick off until Labor Day weekend, the schedule comes out on Monday. Now we know who FSU plays. Uh, but I, I hate to go half empty, right? You know who they're going to play. So what would be the worst case combination that Florida State could be hit with, right? Because other than that, I mean, it feels like it's going to lay out, okay, I guess you don't have a bye week and you play at Clemson and at Pitt back-to-back. -back. Is that the, the death scenario? I, I don't know what it would, might be. Yeah, I mean, there were some schedules, you guys may have to remind me, in the 90s where I think you played Florida and Miami back-to-back. -back. Was that 90, 91, somewhere around there? Yeah, I, would you want to have a, a long road trip to a BC, to a Pittsburgh, something like that back-to-back? -back? Would you want to have that? Typically, BC ends up being in November. Would you want to go all the way up to BC and then play a Florida? Those are less than ideal, but I, I think um, it, it is always cool we can always kind of say, well, Florida State should beat this team on paper. But once you see the schedule and then you kind of see what are the toughest back-to-backs, where are the toughest three-game stretches, how do the uh, the bye weeks sit up, where does 
where does somebody have a, a tough stretch before they play Florida State? You get to kind of put all the pieces together and really kind of have fun and start drawing up W's and L's next to all these games. It just gives us something else to talk about. Yeah, exactly. And right. that's good stuff. That's good stuff. I I hesitate to do this this next topic, Bob, but we haven't talked men's basketball a lot. And as we're recording, we're recording on Tuesday before the game against Miami. So uh, pointing to the positives of two wins in a row could be for not if Tuesday night didn't go well against the Canes. But I happened to be uh, in Pittsburgh to call that game over the weekend. And one of the things that jumped out at me in, in the box score, I don't know how closely you looked at it, but there's a, there's a stat that I don't think we talk about a ton, but there's a plus minus stat that the basketball fans are aware of. And all five guys that came in off the bench for Florida state were in the positive and Baba Miller was at plus 18 and Chandler Jackson was plus 15. So without going too far into the weeds, basically it means was the team more good or more bad when you were on the court, right? Well, right. I mean, Baba Miller is still not playing a ton of minutes. Again, we're recording this before the Miami game on Tuesday night. But, man, you can see what he adds. And, and just get another body in the rotation. Having depth, I, I still feel like uh, there will be some exception, but I just still feel like this team is not going to be an easy out down the stretch. The schedule does lighten up a little bit, and I do think there's some wins there. I, I'm with you. I felt like, you know, looking at the advanced metrics and all that, it's hard to factor in. Once you get Bob and Miller back, it's hard to factor in. What does Deontay Green give you? What does Chandler Jackson give you? I think what this staff has had to struggle with is, yes, you're humbled by the injuries. You're humbled by Baba Miller's suspension, but they've really taken on a, a focus of player development and trying to get these freshmen as ready as possible so that, I mean, man, it's tough for, for a Darren Green Jr. to log 40 minutes and a Matthew Cleveland to go 38, 37 consistently and Caleb Mills to, to be asked to do something similar too. Um, and that's why sometimes you see, a, you know, Darren Green was leaving some of those jump shots really short for a reason, because he's, he's just tired. He's having to work and exert so much energy on each end of the court. Now, yes, you know, when, when Baba can eat up, you know, 12 to 17 minutes, that's great. You know, when Chandler Jackson is able to jump in there, um, we're seeing Deontay Green play a little more and more of late. Um, it, it feels weird to raise some depth all of a sudden because when you're talking about force that using eight or nine guys well they're they're used to going 10 or 11 or 12 but it's just been you know such a such a real source of i think optimism for the coaches to just have this kind of depth to be able to lean on these guys and get you know some, some shorter rotations out there for those kind of those heavier starter minutes like again a, a mills a green a cleveland I think it's those guys would say this has been really welcome for them because it's going to give them new life going down the stretch. And, you know, people are all kind of want to draw this out. What will happen in the ACC tournament? Will Florida State be able to maybe survive a, you know, back to back to back stretch if they can really make a run? And that's what's tough is you don't think that they can do it because of the quality of the competition. But if you get the quality of the depth at some point, you might just get to the point where you sneak out a couple of these close wins and, you know, March ends up playing better in your favor than you might've expected back in December or, or in early January. It just might, it might leave you with a better feel good finish. I think in the end. Well, this team certainly, certainly is in need of uh, some good news and starting to put some of these wins together. Um, I think is going to be uh, very, very important. Speaking of good news, 
I guess there was a celebration on the other side of the BTC, the Basketball Training Center, because the, the ladies finally got ranked. It took a while, but they finally made made the top 25. I think the consensus was that it's about dadgum time, right? I mean, I mean, it felt like they were building toward this for a while. That loss up at Boston College probably took a little bit out of what they had done from a full body of work. But really, to, to knock off NC State at home, to to show what they had been pretty consistently. Again, this was a program that was picked to finish ninth in the preseason. I'm not exactly sure where they are at the top of the standings. I think they're in the top four or five. Um, this feels like a team that can really go deep into the postseason. And again, potentially, um, they're in, I think, the 15th or 16th spot in the net rankings that the NCAA compiles. So, possibly in a good position to host an NCAA regional, which again, you would have never thought of given how many transfers they lost, given how many new pieces were going to come in. So what's it say? It says it's a remarkable coaching job by Brooke Wyckoff, Bill Ferreira, but, but also these players to get acclimated, build some kind of cohesion. And uh, again, not just Tania Latson. It's been a really, really good supporting cast from, from Sarah Bajetti all the way through the roster They've, they've done a remarkable job, and it's a big week for them, too, because they'll go to Notre Dame, they'll play Duke, uh, and there's, there's some tough, tough games ahead for them. Bob Frante, our Osceola insider. We appreciate it, sir. Take care. All right, uh, and check out his work uh, at the Osceola, and uh, we'll take a break, come back with more Front Row Knowles right after this. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Back on Front Row Knowles as we wrap things up. Tom and KJ with you. Appreciate Chuck Restano from the baseball team. And then Bob Ferrante, who's been plugged into FSU Athletics for a while. And uh, always good to catch up uh, with, with Bob. Keith, we're, we're getting – I'm I'm excited about baseball uh, this year. And it's – there's something about the return of Lincoln. I don't mean this in, in any negative way about meat or what have you. I just feel like Link uh, – first of all, he's a Florida State guy, and I happen to have known him and worked with him over the years. But – I didn't realize the the attention, the level of attention to detail that he was going to pay. Uh, and it's been pretty tremendous when you read stories and see what he's doing about it. It's, it's really a, he thinks through everything. And I'm just interested to see how that translates on the field. Well, I can tell you this again, I, you and I, neither one of us have met Chuck. We've only talked with him and, and had him on the show, but for him to, to leave after only being involved with Link for three years and having been there for 12 years, to bring he and one other assistant coach from Notre Dame, uh, you immediately have staff continuity when you get here in the summer. And then I don't know if you heard, and you, you probably can talk a little bit more about this, but it was alluded to by Bob, you know, the freshman that they brought in, quote unquote, the first signing class, uh, is pretty well respected. And so you just start seeing that movement towards improvement and, and the quest for excellence that's kind of raising itself before you ever throw that first pitch. I'm interested to see what kind of improvement there is defensively because, candidly, Florida State's not been very good defensively for several years, uh, really for a while. And, and Notre Dame has been, and so that makes a difference. 
but but all in all, uh, baseball means the weather's getting warmer and and it figures. I don't know what the product will be this year, Keith. They came in over the summer. I don't think they have the full complement of arms that they want. They've got an incredibly tough schedule, uh, but it's also a good staff. Nobody had uh, them going to Omaha last year, and, and look what happened, right? So it'll be fun. Baseball is like hope springs eternal, as they say. <laughs> and, and you know, some of the things that Link has done, that old-time, old, time, old uh, um, you know, base of fans, you know, changing back to the, to the what, what was it, the first pace dugout and I haven't heard. Have you heard about putting names back on the jerseys or keeping them off or where that's going? I mean, just other things that are part of the lore and and the 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 right of of what is Florida State baseball. You know, he's kind of returning to some of those things. Not to not to be discounted, the what I call the artificial turf and the waste areas. Uh, that that's a big upgrade too. Yeah. Yeah, I, I look I look forward to it. We, the blocks will be out there. We we don't make every game, but we try to make it about once a weekend if we're in town and not on the travel soccer circuit. We'll get out there. Uh, Sunday afternoons are, are pretty regular, sometimes uh, a Friday or Saturday night as well. All right, Keith, schedule comes out on Monday. We'll reconvene uh, early next week, and uh, we'll break down that schedule from uh, A to Z or LSU to Florida, I guess, would be the better way to put it. We do know LSU is first and Florida is last. We've got that covered. Uh, it's just where the other parts and pieces fall between them. Understood. And I don't have to use yellow sticky notes. They do it for me. <laughs> All right, folks, we uh, appreciate you tuning in. As always, he is Keith. I'm Tom. Uh, spread the word. Front Row Knowles each and every week, uh, Wednesdays at noon right here or on the podcast. Talk to you next week.